ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ, Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show. I am Scott Prather coming at you on March the 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. What's going on, everybody? Got a great show for you this morning. Patty in the parks tonight. We got college hoops today. We still don't know... Where Deshaun Watson is going to go, and so Saints free agency in a lot of ways has kind of been put on hold. Cajun baseball, just a offensive explosion last night in Lake Charles. We'll visit with Charlie Long in the next segment about the Cajuns' uh, baseball win last night over the Cowboys. We'll uh, talk a little Cajun softball, their games against Texas yesterday. A lot of NCAA tournament talk. Former Boston College coach Scott Spinelli, who was a coach in college in the NBA for the last 30 years. He's joining me at the top of the hour next hour, 8 o'clock, to talk all about the NCAA tournament games. The most unpredictable game today, most intriguing games. What are LSU's chances tomorrow against Iowa State? Uh, We'll talk about Cinderella teams, who he likes to cut down the nets, get to the Final Four in New Orleans, and all that good stuff. So, a lot to get into this morning on the show. As I mentioned, Charlie Long coming up in the next segment. We'll kind of hit on some Cajun stuff. So Deshaun Watson, just waiting. Just waiting. You know, I've kind of said my piece on it all. I, I, I hope the Saints don't sign Watson personally, you know, for, for a number of reasons, right? Like, People will bring up, oh, what about Jameis Winston, you know, and his history? Look, I I kind of feel a little icky sometimes rooting for Jameis Winston. His sexual assault allegation in college, groping an Uber driver a few years ago, both are bad. And the fact that he wasn't charged for either doesn't change that. The NFL investigated the latter and found there was wrongdoing, and the first had various issues. And, you know, but based on some of the things Jameis has said, he appears to be remorseful for his mistakes in the past. And whether we should believe him or not, that's up to each individual. At the very least, you know, I can convince myself he's sorry and that he's matured and that he's shown it and root for the Saints and maybe not always be a huge fan of Winston's past or anything. But, yeah, you know, the Watson, oh, well, you know, he was he did no no criminal charges. Yeah, there's 22 allegations of sexual assault, 22 civil cases. And you don't always need a grand jury to indict to just insinuate you did nothing wrong. While he wasn't charged by a grand jury, there's a lot of evidence to suggest he did some messed up things with masseuses. And he doesn't appear to be sorry for any of it and whatever. But the personal stuff aside in, in what, you know, will will constantly sort of be that cloud out there, you know, no matter what, no matter how long you play, from a football standpoint, let's look at Jameis Winston. 
wasn't a risk for the Saints when they signed him, right? His first contract with New Orleans was near minimum salary to be a backup, prove he had matured, could possibly develop into a starter. They could cut him at any point without any kind of football repercussions. And now if you were to re-sign Winston, it's kind of a similar, you know, not a minimum salary thing, but the the quarterback market right now, when you look around, there's not much out there. He wants to, wants to get back to New Orleans. You're looking at another prove-it type deal coming off of an injury. For Watson, they're talking about, what, three first-round picks, other draft picks, young starting players on rookie contracts. That is a whole lot. You're betting it all on him, and just a lot of risk there. And, you know, he grew up a hardcore Falcons fan. Just throwing that out there. If the Saints trade for Deshaun Watson today, am I going to stop rooting for the Saints? Or No, I'm not. You could say, oh, well, why even bring up the other stuff? Uh, hey, that's where I'm at with it all where i'm at with it all and apparently it's you know atlanta made a late push falcons are serious about it and he's deciding between atlanta carolina new orleans and the cleveland browns 14 months ago a browns fan said, hey, the Browns should make a run at Deshaun Watson. And Baker Mayfield quote-tweeted the fan on Twitter and called him out and was hurt by it. I mean, the guy threw up threw, threw the white flag out there just because Cleveland was interested in maybe acquiring Deshaun Watson, and he wrote, basically pinned a goodbye letter that's really, I'm not just not saying goodbye, I'm just saying goodbye. Do you want the leader and quarterback of your franchise to be as fragile as Baker Mayfield? His reaction to them just talking to another quarterback is proof as to why they would like to move on to him. And the fact that on the field, he's okay. Not great. Not bad. He's okay. Does he have some leadership skills? Look, I can't deny that Like a lot of his teammates, wherever he's played, all sort of rally around him. That's true. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're a great starting quarterback at the very least. I mean, the insecurities with that guy. Jeez. Look, I get it, Baker. I'm not the tallest guy either, but holy cow. I don't know where Baker's playing next year, but, you know, if the Saints don't get Watson, a lot of people will say, oh, well, now Baker Mayfield's maybe leaving, maybe make a trade for him. Uh, no. Hell no. I don't know why I just said it like that. I, I never really thought. I don't even know where that came from. But no. No. But everything's kind of on hold for the time being. And maybe something will break this morning. I would guess it probably will. And uh, if it breaks while we're on the air, we'll, you know, we'll discuss it. But I got a great show for you this morning. Trey Wingo. Yes, the Trey Wingo. Now a friend of the program. He had so much fun when he came on with me last month. He wants to come on again. Trey's going to come on at 8.30 this morning. We'll talk about the NCAA tournament, some betting, and, of course, a lot of NFL, free agency, the Saints, and more. Coach Scott Spinelli, longtime college basketball coach, interim head coach of Boston College last season. He is joining me at 8 o'clock to talk college hoops, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you had your first four games. They're in the books. But the real deal begins today. It's one of the best days of the year. Plus, it's St. Patrick's Day, which means it's Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light Next Nago Auto Insurance, which means the day has finally arrived. You want to get tickets today? 
eventbrite.com or Legends Annex downtown, right next to Spark International. You can get your tickets there for $25 if you want to get it. And why wouldn't you? We got Clay Cormier. We got Wayne Toops. We got Rob Bass. We got Quad City DJs. We got Tone Loke. Tone Loke. That's what we got for you tonight. Downtown Lafayette Park International, St. Patrick's Day. It is Patty in the Park, the best party of the year. Gates open at 5. Music starts at 5.30. It is going to be awesome. Awesome. I'll be there working it. I, I, I'll be working and I'll be watching. Sorry, I got to watch while I work. That's right. Patty in the park, baby. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Perry. The great Scott show, as I mentioned, Trey Wingo at 8.30. Coach Scott Spinelli coming up at 8. Up next, Charlie Long, my guy. Charlie wrote about the story last night over at ESPNLafayette.com. The Ragin' Cajuns victorious over the McNeese State Cowboys in a game that McNeese State had a number of times it felt like early in the game to maybe, you know, kind of put their foot down. The Cajuns said, uh-uh. Kind of did a little roundhouse kick themselves. A lot of power, a lot of hits, a lot of offense. We'll also talk a little Ragin' Cajun softball. There are two games against Texas yesterday over at Lamson Park. We'll talk NCAA basketball. Like I said, big show it is a Thursday. It is St. Patrick's Day. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. into the great scott show coming at you on a thursday not just any thursday it's st patrick's day it's patty in the park what was that did you say ncaa day i said it's a good day it's a good day it's a great day you're a sports fan that is charlie long he is a sports fan he's also a sports writer producer on-air personality. He heard him last hour with Lynn. He's going to sit in this segment with me, and he and Lynn will be helping out tomorrow morning on the Great Scott Show. Maybe at that point, uh, Deshaun Watson will have made a decision. <laughs> um, but let's start with let's start with baseball. I want to, you know, that that Ragey Cajun baseball game last night. Um, I know they had a nice bus ride home because oh yeah, they had Daryl's for one, as Bab told Dude, me. Dude, what is it's a uh, 
It's a restaurant in Lake Charles. It's kind of like big open room with uh-huh. lots of tables and then one side room. And they serve like po' boys. And okay. They have a few TVs up. But like they have the Daryl special, which is this roast beef po' boy with this like gravy that you get. Uh-huh. Most people get it like in a little container, like the size of like a cane sauce container. Yeah, yeah. And then they like pour it or they dip it. And it's... The Daryl special is pretty damn good. I mean, I, I his top made multiple references to it in like the oh, post game presser. Yeah. He's just like, yo, yo, I'll let y'all go get Daryl's. Like, what is Daryl's? <laughs> well, Bat mentioned it on the show yesterday. That's it was funny. like, I, yeah, man. One reason we love because I was talking about how. So last night was the one hundredth time UL baseball beat McNeese State. Yeah. Uh, they've played 176 times. And I was talking about how, you know, they, they were in a conference together many years ago, mm-hmm. but haven't been in a long time. For like a non-conference opponent, it's probably the team they've played the most. And Bab was like, yeah, but it's nice when you go to Lake Charles because you after the game, <laughs> we, get, we get Daryl's. That's and like, funny. They like tweeted it out and they're on the bus. and um, But more than that, they, they got a win in a game, Charlie, that, you know, you... You were producing last night. You wrote about it. Uh, folks can read it up, ESPNLafayette.com. But it seemed like there were some moments early in the first half of the game where McNeese State had some opportunities to really, boy, if they if they, they make it happen here, they can jump out and really extend it. And they just, you know, they let the Cajuns hang around, and the yeah. Cajuns eventually just, they took advantage. And offensively, it was it was just a, a huge outburst for them. Yeah, fireworks. Fireworks display from the offense. Again, for the second straight time, 10 runs, 17 hits. They did the same thing on Sunday against Houston in that win. Uh, the Cajuns' bats, like Degg said after the game, the bat heads are getting violent. They're getting, they're getting excited. They're they're ready to get into conference play, and this was a really nice midweek victory. They started out so well in this game. Four runs on four hits in the first inning. And then they had a couple of opportunities. The pitching staff did a good job at the start of the game. Specifically, Peyton Havard got the start. He only gave up one unearned run uh, through three innings pitch. He was good. Brandon Talley stranded a couple runners in the inning that he threw. So those two batters or those two pitchers were really good to start the game. The fifth inning is when things started to turn around a little bit in favor of McNeese because McNeese was down four to one at that point, and Hayden Dirk came on to pitch, and Dirk got the first two outs immediately, like within seven pitches or something like that so he's looking great then he gives up a two-out single then he gives up three straight two out and then another turns this entire rally into a tie game so it's four to four ul answers in the next half inning with a leadoff triple they bring him home connor kimple brings home heath hood with an rbi ground out so they go back up five to four then the next half inning so the bottom half of the six dylan toit comes on to pitch after to, to get the third out of the last half inning Dylan Toy comes on for his first full inning of work, and he gives up uh, three more runs. So McNeese goes from down three to up two in two innings. So they had all the momentum. It was just point. total, totally yeah. miserable. The Cadence had a chance to answer in the seventh. They get the first two runners on. They don't get anything. Three straight outs right after that. So, and that was because of a, a bullpen move that McNeese made in that inning. So you get the first two runners on. McNeese makes a call to the bullpen, fly out, strike out, ground out. You're thinking we're going to lose this game at this point. The eighth inning was one of the craziest things I've produced with UL baseball ever. Have you ever heard of a, a triple to the pitcher? Scott? An infield triple. A triple to the pitcher. How does how does an infield so this is what triple work? This is what happened. And I thought, I thought the call was hilarious because it took me a while to figure out what Jay was talking about. 
Um, what happened was Warner Rincones and Julian Brock each got RBI hits to tie the game up. Two outs, Kyle DeBarge is up to bat. DeBarge hits a rocket off of the pitcher, and it bounces off the mound, off the pitcher, into like the foul territory in the outfield. And he hits all the way from uh, home plate to third, scores two runs. Rincones slides in. Oh, my God. Triple to the and pitcher. It's, and, and it's like, how does how does a ball bounce like that? Who knows? It'd be I was there. If there was some good video, but apparently the McNeese feed was just like it looked like Terrible. it was off an old flip phone. Yikes. But that was, um, yeah, hearing that call. Talk it's about like a game-winning hit. An yeah. infield triple that's not an error. No, you heard it right. Just uh, Two RBIs in the, in the hit as well. Mm-hmm. They had, an, what, Cajun offense, what, 17 hits last 17 night? Hits. They had an inside-the-park homer? Inside-the-park homer by Connor Kemple. An infield three triples, triple. <laughs> three triples, including that infield triple. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great night. Then, of course, the ninth inning comes around. Carson Rockford, he finally gets... Carson Rockford, who's been the best hitter on the Cajuns team all season long, gets his first hit of the game in the ninth inning. He's... Uh, as a whole, though, he's playing like an All-American. He's a baller. I mean, Triple to lead off really... the ninth inning. He gets brought home by Heath Hood, who's red hot right now. I think he's batting over 500 in the last couple games, so he's been great. Uh, yeah, the Cajuns offense, it's, it's going to be hard to, hard to stop them when they're rolling like this. It was um, it was a wild game, but another another midweek win. Play starts this weekend at Troy. Brandon Talley is going to get to start Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see uh, El Jefe, Jeff Wilson, some El Conference Pitcher of the Week Sunday, and you'll see Tommy Ray on on a Friday. But I think from a hitting standpoint, they saw some really, really good arms early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanford. They're, they're also, you've seen, you've seen them evolve quite a bit. You've seen that whenever your batting average is up over 25 points since, you know, it was a week ago. Uh, you're doing something right, regardless of who you're playing. Now it's up. I, mean, I don't even know how much it went up last night, but uh, what an offensive outburst. Is this the offense you expect to see in conference? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at it, this particularly this last game, everyone contributed. Down the board, multiple players with, with two or three hits, uh, just everyone contributing the kind of wolf pack mentality that people think that Dex is known for. You know, So, yeah, this is what I'm expecting from conference play. We've seen them be able to do it, do it against his Sunbelt pitchers. That is Charlie Long. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We'll get into March Madness here in just a little bit. And the wild Notre Dame-Rutgers game last night that um, is just a reminder of why today and tomorrow are going to be <laughs> just outstanding. The of the year. But but you got, you got sports all day and you got amazing entertainment tonight. It has been um, a while since we've had Patty in the park. You know, the last two years it hadn't happened due to COVID. It is it is back. Patty in the Park tonight. Sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Downtown Lafayette Park International. You got Clay Cormier and Wayne Toops. And then you got some old timers. I say old timers. That makes me feel old. You got some old school. We'll say that. Barry and 90s-esque. Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, Tone Loke. You're a young cat, Charlie. Have you heard of any of them? Absolutely not. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever seen Ace Ventura? Dude, I don't, I don't know. Maybe as a kid. Okay, right, never mind. But I mean, you I at least know who Wayne Toops is. I mean, you, you went to... I've Yale, heard of Wayne right? Toops. Click. I mean, listen to this guy. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a lineup. It's tonight. Downtown Lafayette. Day of. Tickets are now $25.com. Or you can get them in person at the Legends Annex downtown across the street from <clears throat> Park International. But... Going to be a great time tonight. Gates open at 5. Music starts at 5.30. Kids 12 and under. 
get in free. You got college hoops on uh, all day, and and we're going to get into college hoops here in just a moment. But Charlie, uh, anything else you want to add about Cajun baseball? Yeah. Not just last night, but but heading into conference play now against Troy this week. One other point that uh, I want to add from last night's game is if we hadn't already done a total deep dive on it, Chipper Menard who was someone that's kind of struggled so far this year. Like, Dex has put him in some situations, and he struggled with command at times, some walks, some unlucky hits, stuff like that. He came out and was just lights out. Four strikeouts and an inning in a third pitch. I think he struck that he faced. He struck out the side in the eighth inning to keep momentum on Louisiana's side after that huge four-run inning. If he keeps that confidence going into conference play, he could potentially be a starter for this team. We'll see what happens. It's... um conference time yeah Troy Troy. this weekend on the road and uh we'll see what they have in store but uh you know they like to say they count for double i think maybe those robe that used to say that i mean they they count for conference and it's big and you want to get off on the right foot and mm-hmm. this team you're starting to see it really come around in a lot of ways and a lot of excitement around it uh, i got some thoughts on cajun softball who dropped two yesterday to texas i'll wait on that for the next segment charlie last night um, the last first four game playing, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. Notre Dame Rutgers goes to double overtime. Yep. Rutgers, you know, they keep hitting these crazy threes to extend the game, and you feel like they got it, but Notre Dame continues to just get shot after shot in the glass. They get a short, you know, Pounding shot the under, yeah, in the paint, off the glass, the lay-in uh, at the end of the first overtime. They get another one at the end of the second overtime, and that's all she wrote, so... You know, the Irish, it is St. Patrick's Day today, but they advance. Uh, they're taking on Alabama Friday. But just what? And I was talking to Bab about this yesterday about why, you know, the bracket is such a basketball thing. And you could put it in other sports, but it, it never. You don't have people printing out the NCAA mm-hmm. field of 64 in baseball saying, oh, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Yeah. And it really, the reason is because of the win or go home. Like, it's. That's the drama. And seeing that game last night with like big shot after big shot and going to it overtime and then going to another overtime, it you can't recreate that drama in anything that, that is not, this is it. And then, you know, in the NBA when it's a game seven, right, it's, it's, a, it's a really big deal. It happens mm-hmm. really, but it's a really big deal. But also, you know, like, you know, the vast majority of these guys, you know, the ones that lose, they're going to be playing next year. They're making a living. You're watching these colleges, you're like, is the last time these guys are going to play in a game like this. Right. I don't know. You can't the drama of of March Madness is unlike anything else in sports. It's and special, man. It's, it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite tournament in all the sports. You're just going to watch hoops all day today? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I, I have a full setup. I'm going to try and have all like four streams going on at the same time. It's going to be fun. So, um you and Lynn were talking last hour. I mean, how yeah. when, when was it, what's like your first memory of filling out a bracket? You, you you want my honest uh, yeah. answer to that? The first college basketball team that I really liked um, was actually twenty, I think twenty twelve, Georgetown, whichever Georgetown team was a two seed that lost to F- Florida Gulf Coast, and I have a story coming out pretty soon about uh, the best first 20, round upsets. Uh, that was twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was a uh, that's going to be involved in that. That was I paid uh, Georgetown, I think, to go to the Final Four, and they got bodied by Florida oh, Gulf yeah, Coast and Dunk they? City, who went to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, yeah, they beat Florida as well in the second round. I think big things from the fifteen seed. Yeah, I, I look, man, I remember filling out brackets like when I was in middle. 
Well, shoot, that was middle school for me. Early 90s. <laughs> like, it was like, you know, we'd find one kid whose family, like, had a printer and, like, they knew how to use it. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, print them all, bring them to school. And, we'd, shoot, we'd put in, like, $5. Like, there, there was, okay. like, I mean, there was kids, we're talking, like, 10 years old. Yeah, like, yeah. Acting like a bookie. Like, yeah, I'll collect it all and we'll do it all. And just remember, you fill it out with a pen and... If you scratched it out, like, we didn't buy it. We're like, nope, can't scratch it out. Once it's in there, the ink is, if we have a scratch out, we don't believe you, you're out, you're trying to cheat. But, yeah, man, I remember, <clears throat> shoot, I remember LSU versus Cal and, like, Jason Kidd, like, way back in the day. And just, you know, back when the Fab Five was was all the rage and UNLV Duke, just early March Madness memories for me. I mean, I I, I kind of remember watching the games like in the 80s, but I was so young. I don't really remember the details or the teams. Maybe when I was like, I say that. I mean, I, I do remember UNLV. I remember a lot of LSU stuff from the late 80s um, going to some games there and a couple, you know, of USL games back in the day. But as far as like the tournament goes and like other teams, mm-hmm. just like random teams making runs, that's like, I'd have to go back to the 90s. But I always loved the random teams making the runs, man. It was like, it was the most fun part of What's it. What's the most memorable, like, mid-major run for you? I mean, long ago, I guess it was. It all depends on your age. Probably George Mason in 06 because... Yeah, that was a little bit before my time. Prior to that, you just didn't have... And LSU went to the Final Four that year. Um, and it was UCLA and Florida. It was when Florida won back-to-back basketball titles. They were mm. they were really good. Um but like George Mason, when they beat UConn in the Elite Eight, it was it just at that point it didn't happen. Now you've had a couple of Cinderella's mid majors get into the Final Four since then, right? You had Butler, Butler Chicago go back to back national. Now they're in the Big East, and you might not consider them a mid major. They were after mm-hmm. two years that they were in the the championship game. You mentioned Loyola Chicago. Um, <clears throat> there's been there's been some. For me, like prior to George Mason, there was never really truly like, oh my God, this this team actually, like you would have runs, Mm -hmm. but never actually getting all the way to the Final Four. So when they did it, and they got trounced, the the Final Four that year was actually awful. Now the tournament was awesome, but the Final Four, like UCLA beat LSU pretty handily. Florida crushed both uh, George Mason, and then they crushed... Uh, UCLA in the title game. So it was just, I don't know. The, the the That's my thing about the Final Four, which is in New Orleans this year. I mean, hopefully it's great, but a lot of times it's like, it, it it's supposed to be the culmination of the best tournament ever. And a lot of times the Final Four doesn't, it just doesn't register like that. Yeah. If you, you could have three bad games or three lopsided games and it's like, okay, that's it. The best part of the tournament is today and tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. When there's, you know, 32 games over two days. Yeah, I'm all about that. I'm all about seeing the crazy upsets that no one could predict. And Lynn and I were talking about that last hour, like which teams a lot of people really like going into the tournament that could surprise a lot of people if they just get bounced in the first round. No one will predict it. Maybe like, I don't know, Tennessee or Purdue or something like that. I mean, Rick Barnes is Tennessee's head coach. So if they got bounced, it wouldn't surprise me. But their defense is great. Um, and look, I wouldn't expect Longwood to beat them. No, but that's, but that's what March Madness yeah, is all about. You yeah. don't expect any of these like... Maybe even, I don't know. There's craziness that could happen, and that's what it's all about. How hilarious would it be if Duke <laughs> Fullerton? <laughs> Coach K goes out sad. It oh probably won't. It probably won't happen. You know, someone made a point. High I don't remember where, I, where I heard it. It was like, if Duke gets into a game where they're playing a team that's like really physical, yeah. 
I mean, Duke's winning because they're just going to call a lot of fouls. Like the team Ooh. that's going to beat Duke is going to be a team that like is just a great I didn't shooting, think about that. a great shooting team. Oh yeah, if it's like, look, we we want to get physical, we want to get after, we want to play defense. It's like, oh no, Duke Duke will live with the line. Come on, Texas Texas potential Sweet Sixteen matchup, and they're super physical defensively. They're a really good team, but man, that's that's kind of pay Texas Tech to beat Duke, but. That's uh, that's got me a little bit worried. I'm not gonna lie, dude. For, for, so I remember uh, ESPN Lafayette, Scott Prather, Charlie Long. I remember when it was a true Cinderella, '97 mm-hmm. um, maybe, '98 was like the first year they made this sort of deep run in the tournament. Everyone was like, "Who's Gonzaga? Like this right. is amazing." Valparaiso made a run to the Sweet Sixteen that year, and then and then Gonzaga did it again, and they did, and before you knew it, it was like. The small Jesuit school in the Northwest was like a power. Now, they mm-hmm. haven't won the whole thing yet, but they've been close. But I really think that, like, if they win it all, do people start turning on Gonzaga a little bit? Like, part of part of their charm is they still yet to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they, you know, they're in the West Coast Conference. They've been close a lot. They used to be this sort of small school that like was a Cinderella and look what if they it was almost like they were like put on this pedestal like well if they can do it think of other mid-majors that could possibly become a power the way Gonzaga did and they transformed themselves but once you sort of win a title I don't know unless it's like your actual team I mean people will turn it people love the Golden State Warriors when they were you know, almost winning, but losing in the second round of the playoffs. And then when they the Splash Brothers won their first title, it was like, this is fun. Now, there were a number of reasons people stopped liking it once they got Kevin Durant. But, like, it, it took a little while, and eventually everyone was like, I can't, I can't, I can't stand the Warriors. Interesting. I, uh, I don't know. I, maybe so, because I know that there's a lot of people that kind of trounce on them because they never play. Like, they play tough out-of-conference schedules because teams want to play them at the start of the season. They but, beat, they've beaten some of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, and they played some of the best teams in the country as well out-of-conference. But that's a big kind of knocking point is that they don't play a very... Like, the conference isn't very good in basketball. St. Mary, Mary is a team to look out for in this tournament, by the way. I got I them mean, losing first round. Oh, yeah. Dropping to Indiana. No. IU going on a run in the Big Ten tournament. They showed me enough. Go Gales! By the way, they've they're they're like near home. What's your final four? four? Man, I don't know. Did you fill out a bracket? No, not yet. Oh no way! I got to fill one out. I guess you got to hurry up. I fill one out a every hours. year. I don't know. I'm supposed to fill one out. You know the problem is why I've been trying to avoid it this year is like once once I started like caring about the bracket and there was something involved. Uh, it's cool when you win it, but like I just, I found myself not rooting as much for the underdogs, and I don't like that feeling. Like I don't like when it's like, oh my god, like Montana State they could beat Texas Tech. <laughs> that's one that would just like, ruin a bunch of brackets. That's what I'm saying. But like, if it could ruin your bracket, and like if you didn't fill out a bracket, you're like, hell yeah, like go, let's let's do and it. It's still there's still like a charm to it though. Seeing some random mid major that you've never heard it's of. It's not quite as I don't know, it's not as charming. Like it's frustrating cuz you got to rip up your bracket, but like everyone rips up their brackets after the first round anyways. But even no, nah, but like even if you don't have the you could still say, "Well, I still have my final four teams. I still have this. I can still win my group bracket whatever." But right. I don't know. It like messes with my mind. It's like, you know, if you have money on a game, if you bet on it, it you're looking at it, you're watching it completely. That's true. I don't I don't bet on March Madness. I, I, if I were to to like fill one out, I'd probably go Gonzaga, Arizona. Mm-hmm. 
Kentucky, probably Auburn. Okay. That's probably what I'd do. You had, th- I, I have Iowa winning in the, uh, what was the fourth bracket? I think it's the Midwest. Uh, Midwest is the one at the bottom. I don't know why bottom they right. do that. They should put the South down there. They need to put the South in the top right corner of the bracket. Yeah, whatever. I, I got Iowa taking down uh, Kansas and then Auburn to make it to the Final Four. I like Keegan Murray this year, which means, of course, Richmond is going to beat them in the first round. I think I think an Arizona Gonzaga. That's what I got. That would you know you got Tommy Lloyd, little student pupil Mark Few, um, you know former the former teacher and now you know Lloyd is coaching against Few for all of it in a title game. That would be that would be pretty cool. That'd be a good matchup. But I know the network's open for Duke. And listen, I, I it would be every Duke game is going to be. Phenomenal drama! Oh, absolutely! Every Duke game is which means be that every drama. every round that they make, I, I got them going to the second weekend, uh, and you got me worried about that Texas Tech game now because I got Texas Tech beating them, but I could totally see that happening where they just live at the foul line and take like forty free throws. All right, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Um, we'll talk. I'll, I'll have a few thoughts on softball in the next segment. Uh, NFL free agency. Open the show with it. We'll dig back into that with my guy Trey Wingo, who's going to join me at eight thirty. Former Boston College coach Scott Spinelli is going to join me at 8 to uh, talk more March Madness. He knows way more hoops than I do. The guy's, you know, been involved in college hoops for over three decades. So we'll get his thoughts on the tournament. Uh, Major League Baseball, Freddie Freeman last night. Um, you know, I guess he's... <laughs> Jay Walker is a happy camper. It's funny, you know, we one of our listeners, Troy, emailed Jay this week when he was, or emailed us earlier this week when Jay was on me. He's like, tell Jay congrats on Freddie Freeman. He's going to love him. And Jay's like, well, you know, we'll see. I think <laughs> here we are. Freddie Freeman congrats, on the Dodgers. Jay. What a great... The I mean, risk like, getting I richer. I don't, I don't root for either of those teams. And, you know, shoot. As a Soggy Sorrows Mets fan, I certainly don't root for the Braves, but... I, I I can't hate him. I mean, no, Freddie, Freddie Freeman, Freeman is, is one of the just, class guys in the sport. Yeah, dude, the guy's good as gold, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that's a uh, good for him. What was the What was the contract? Six years, hundred sixty-two million dollar deal. Sheesh, man. The six year was apparently the difference for Atlanta, but Atlanta got a nice consolation prize with Matt Olson. So there's that. Yeah, well, they also so top isn't probably too mad. They also have the Falcons. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a pit of despair. Is Sean Watson going to play for his favorite childhood team that he was a ball boy, the for? hometown. I don't know, man. We'll Just see. Ready for a decision to be made. He's pushing it off, and it keeps we'll, making uh, us wait. I'll do more of that uh, at eight thirty with Trey Wingo. It's the Great Scott Show. That is Charlie Long. Charlie, what's your Twitter handle? Charlie Long sixteen ninety eight on Twitter. Go give him a follow, guys. Check out all his stuff over at ESPNLafayette.com as well. And uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, Charlie. Thanks. Take it easy, Scott. All right, you'll hear Charlie and Lynn again tomorrow morning on here. Up next. What's happening with Cajun softball right now? I'll tell you. Scott Spinelli. His thoughts on March Madness. What is the most unpredictable matchup of the entire first round? Who is the biggest Cinderella in this year's tournament? Who's cutting down the nets? We'll ask him that and more. And then my guy, Trey Wingo, talking all things NFL free agency and a little bit of betting talk as it pertains to the NCAA tournament with Trey. Coming up at 8.30 on The Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He 
was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready, down, put, put, put. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, coming at you on a Friday. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Patty in the park tonight. Be there. This is the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Every day on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, you'll find parlays, bet specials, and more. Learn more at betrivers.com. So, talk some Cajun baseball, a little NFL free agency, among other things, in uh, the last segment with Charlie Long. Cajun softball, they lose two to Texas, big in the first one by a single run in the second one. And, you know, I. Kendra Lamb pitched good for a while yesterday. Um, 18 strikeouts, not good. But the real issue with the team right now is their fielding. Guys, it's not good. It's not good. Can it be better? I think this team has talent. You you know, you hear about a top recruiting class, you see you see it at times. I mean, but a lot of self-inflicted wounds with this team. I mean, you're sitting there with the bases loaded in the first, you got a a a a, a, a deep fly ball and you're going to tag up and Piscos leaves early. And she's awesome. She's a great player, but a mistake right there in that situation. And then, boom, you're, you only get one run when you got the bases loaded early. And just too many self-inflicted wounds, too many issues right now in the field. And this team, as of right now, is like probably a three-seed in a regional. I think they're going to go to Georgia Southern this weekend. I think they're probably going to play really well against that team. I think they'll likely sweep. And I think folks will say, well, look, you just, you know, Texas was good. They had really good pitching. 18 strikeouts. You know, Texas was good. And now they're playing Georgia Southern. They should take care of business. And you know what? They probably will. But right now, this team just isn't good enough. And the standard of Raging Cajun softball is one that's you know, perennially a, a, a ranked team, really kind of top 15 more or less than top 25. But, you know, with, with the two losses to Texas and when you've seen them against good competition this year, they, they haven't gotten it done. And then you have the loss to Georgia State. And now with Raina O'Neill, you don't know if she's coming back. You might not see her again this year. Like, it's... It's not all peaches and cream right now with Raging Cajun softball. Now, is their standard a high one? Yes, it is. Is their reputation a strong one? Yes, it is, with good reason. A lot of success for a lot of years. Make no mistake, I'm not sitting here telling you that it's a bad team. That's not what I'm saying. 
although their fielding is bad. What I'm telling you is they are not right now, at this point in the season, you know, what is it, 22 games in, playing up to the standard of what Ragin' Cajun softball really is. Now, look, I think Sam Landry, I think that she, as far as newcomers go, is been the most impressive we've seen her. I think she can be, um, I think she can be great. And if you get Kendra Lamb back to where she was at the end of last season, then, you know, they can really dominate the Sun Belt with, with pitching alone. And Megan Schwarman, we, you know, she seems to be good in relief at times as a starter. I don't know. I don't, I, I, Schwarman's shown flashes. I'm just, I'm not completely sold yet. Now, Landry, Landry's good. And Lamb, you've seen what she can do. Can she get back to what she was doing at the end of last season? But the fact of the matter is, right now, just, uh, just not good enough. Just not good enough. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Coach Scott Spinelli. He's been, you know, this was his first year out of coaching, out really out of, out of basketball, maybe of his life. Guy's been playing, played college hoops, played in the NCAA tournament, coached in college basketball and the NBA uh, on a number of different teams for the last 30-plus years. He was the interim head coach at Boston College last season. And he's an analyst now, and I, I look forward to talking to him, man. He's a great basketball mind. The NCAA tournament, your first four is done, the real deal. Now you're 64. You got a bevy of games today and tomorrow, one of my absolute favorites. I love it. I love it. You know, I, I there's, a, there's a number of games on here that I find interesting, but there's a, a Cinderella team I keep hearing folks talk about. Keep hearing folks talk about that 13 seed, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, who are 30 and 4, going up against a 4 seed in the Providence Friars, who have won a whole lot of games and a whole lot of games where you're like, how did they pull that off? To the point where you talk about the ball bouncing their way, that's happened a lot. Does that end today? Got to ask him about that matchup. His thoughts on LSU in the tournament, his thoughts on Duke, who's going to cut down the Nets. I think Gonzaga takes on Arizona, maybe a, a coach versus pupil matchup with the national title game. But you know what? If you want to go fill out a bracket, if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't done ours yet, what are you waiting for? Go to ESPNLafayette.com, click on Bracket Challenge, or on the ESPN Lafayette app, click on Bracket Challenge. Fill up your bracket. You can still do it. You have until about 11 o'clock this morning. Get your picks in. Perfect bracket, you're going to get a million dollars from us. Now, guess what? You're not going to have a perfect bracket. I'm sorry. You're not. Could you get 60 correct picks? Well, you do that, we'll give you 10 grand. You also have my utmost respect, and I'll want to go to the casino with you, but come on. It's March, baby. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. I'm Scott Prather. When we come back, it's going to be the 8 o'clock hour. Coach Scott Spinelli at 8. Trey Wingo. Former ESPN personality is going to join me at 8.30 this morning. We'll talk about some of the bets in the NCAA tournament, and we will talk a lot of NFL free agency. It's all coming your way right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, welcome back in to the Great Scott Show. It is St. Patrick's Day. We got Patty in the park tonight. NFL free agency, of course, we've been hitting on it a ton. But, you know, today and tomorrow, two of my favorite days of the year, right? It is the round of now 64. Your first four is done uh, today and tomorrow, the field gets narrowed down to 32. Those first two days of the NCAA tournament, there's just nothing like it, man. Wall-to-wall bass. Today and tomorrow, the field gets narrowed down to 32. Those first two days of the NCAA tournament, there's just nothing like it, man. Wall-to-wall basketball. And here to talk to us about it now in this segment is uh, longtime coach Scott Spinelli. He was the um, interim head coach at Boston College last year. Many years throughout college basketball, uh, he played college hoops. He played in the tourney. He's coached in the NBA, and he's our guest now. Good morning, Coach Scott. How are you? Excellent, Scott. Very nice to uh, hear your voice, and um, glad to be here with you tonight. All right, this so we got we, we, we to ask you, what's, uh, what's your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? I'm I'm a brass monkey guy back in the day. I used to pretend I could dance a little bit, but I was actually awful. But that was the song. <laughs> that was back. I mean, brass monkey. I mean, licensed to ill. That's back in your early college days. And you, you know, <laughs> as as a Boston Terrier, you've got to play uh, in the dance, man. So you know, what's experiencing March Madness, being a part of it as a player and as a coach? Is there, in terms of just. I don't know. What's the difference? What's the what's the experience like as a player? What's the experience like as a coach? Well, first of all, as a player, I mean, you know, all the hard work and sacrifice that you put in, um, you know, for progressing throughout your time, you know, when you're younger and your dreams and all of the things that go into getting to college. And then all of a sudden, there you are in you know, your team is called, and, and there's just a feeling of, wow, you know, those dreams. I mean, look, you know, college basketball, high school basketball, you know, it's about dreams, and kids should always have those dreams. And I think, you know, from a player's standpoint, um, you know, dreaming of that moment and then getting your, your team's name called is just a, a dream come true in a lot of ways. Uh, as a coach, you know, look, I mean, you know, you, you feel like all this sacrifice that, you know, your players have made, you know, you love to coach. This is your passion. This is what you want to do. Um, but you really feel so happy for the players because you want them to experience the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, what it's like, um, you know, all of the media attention, um, having a chance to, 
uh, interact with their classmates on campus is so much fun uh, for the kids once they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, their team is called and they're in the tournament. It's just, it's just, there's nothing like it. Coach Scott Spinelli, our guest, you recruited some great players over the years. I mean, you've been in coaching over three decades and, uh, you know, Alex Lynn, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Middleton, uh, NBA champion, just to name a few. Who's the best college basketball player you ever coached? I'll tell you what, we had a young man by the name of Jerome Robinson at, in uh, at Boston College, and I'm actually going to kind of, you know, his running mate, Kai Bowman, with two kids that I were under the radar that we were fortunate enough to find uh, in this recruiting process um, and evaluating them as being two guys that, you know, were under the radar. And to, to watch what those two guys did at Boston College, I mean, and how they developed, um, unfortunately, they became too good too fast. Um, you know, they were probably arguably the best backcourt in the ACC at one point. But, um, you know, Jerome Robinson, uh, runner-up ACC Player of the Year, he was the first lottery pick in the history of modern-day lottery at Boston College. He was the 13th pick. And, and Kai Bowman was a you know young man left as a junior. But both those two guys put up uh, incredible numbers uh, at Boston College. But, you know, their college careers were, you know, were, um, you know, were incredible. As Chris Middleton, you know, he had a great career in college, but, you know, he uh, actually continued to get better and, and uh, has had a better NBA career. Coach Scott Spinelli, our guest, at Coach underscore Spinelli on Twitter, S-P-I-N-E-L-L-I. Here we are with, um, you know, I know we had the, the, the first four, if you will, the playing games, but today is just, it's, it's one of my favorite days of the calendar year, not just because it's St. Patrick's Day, but because we got March Madness happening. Do you find yourself as an analyst, you know, it's one thing when you're coaching, when you're analyzing, and I know you've been doing some media hits, do you find yourself, I guess, staring at the bracket a lot longer? Because you're not, you're not preparing for one matchup. You're kind of just sitting back as a spectator this time. So what's your, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the question on the surface, if somebody didn't know what college basketball was, might think it's silly. But, Coach, what's your relationship like with the bracket? Well, I tell you what, it's, that's a great question. And, you know, Scott, for me personally, um, you know, this was a year that, you know, I, we kind of took a step back. I had a lot of commitments to my children. They were, you know, coming up. I have a senior in high school, a prep school uh, student, um, young kid. And then I have a, you know, daughter just got into nursing at Boston College. So I was really kind of at that point where, you know, looking for the head job opportunity, the permanent head job, and it didn't happen. So I chose to do this. And um, it's been, an, you know, just an unbelievably, you know, successful year in terms of just learning. So I've watched so much film synergy games um and really was able to kind of take a step back and watch uh, without having to worry about the game plan or the next game that i was preparing for or helping prepare uh, while i was in college and so um you know i'm pretty familiar with these teams and these in the, in the brackets and look the ncaa tournament is about matchups and, and the matchups can be kind of defined in two ways one matchups in terms of style of play when you look across and see who you're playing you know that style of play might not be something you're too familiar with and the second part of that is personnel um you know again exploiting the matchups in terms of what your players might be able to take advantage of the opposition's players so that to me is what makes the ncaa very unique in, in that 
you know, it, it is about matchups in terms of style of play and personnel. But yeah, to answer your question, very familiar with most all of these teams and have seen quite a bit of games uh, film um, throughout the season. The Final Four, you know, the uh, I, I wrote about this this week. You know, I know folks see promotions. Heck, we're doing a promotion, right? You fill out the perfect bracket, you get a million bucks. No one's filling out the perfect bracket. I hate to break it to you guys. Uh, you'll see some numbers that say one in 9.2 quintillion. It's actually not accurate. That's if you just flipped a coin for every game. But if you know a little something about college hoops, your numbers improve a lot. But there's still one in 120.2 billion. So it's not happening. Uh, the unpredictability of it, right? The underdog mentality. The, the the just when it comes to hoops, right, Coach? Matchups. I mean, we talk a lot about it, but one team may have more talent on paper, but it's just a quote bad matchup. So. The unpredictability of it, you know. I'll ask you some some questions about some matchups, but I, I know, you know, you you know about it more than I do. You've been in, you know, you've been in there. You've been in the foxhole. You've coached against a lot of these teams. You know a lot of these players and coaches. But it's still just so hard to predict the perfect bracket. So my my first question to you about the bracket, coach, is what game out of all of these do you think is the hardest to predict? Which one do you think? opening round is the most unpredictable in your mind and why well first of all i think anytime you have a and again i'm going to talk specifically about one game that i've seen uh right now typically those eight nine games are really hard to predict to be honest because they you know the analytics say that those two teams are pretty even matched in terms of their you know body of work during the season but in this year's bracket i gotta tell you you know, when I'm looking at these games, I'm looking at a game right off the bat in the first round, Providence versus South Dakota State. And you would say to yourself in a seven-game series, uh, you know, Providence, Big East regular season champion. Um, you know, they've got transfers. They've got some experience. Nate Watson is one of the better bigs in the country at six, what, 10, 250, 60 pounds. Um, and then you think South Dakota State from the Summit League. It's it's a you know a team that you would know maybe not know a lot about. But when you really get into the game within the game uh, in that matchup, you really have uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. And I and I say that because South Dakota State is a number one three point field goal percentage team in the country. They play five guys who are all skill guys where kind of speaks to where the game is going today. All five guys can pass, dribble, and shoot. For the most part, they're guys that have come up within the program, which means that they've, you know, there's a little bit more camaraderie. There's a little bit more of a chemistry continuity in terms of familiarity with one another. Um, and, you know, the fact that they've won 21 games in a row, um, you know, to me, it really makes a difficult matchup for Providence because, most power five conferences, and I'll say the Big East is a power five in basketball, they play with those traditional big guys uh, at the five position at the center spot. So a kid like Nate Watson is going to be chasing, you know, an undersized, I say undersized, six, seven kid on the perimeter, um, you know, who can really shoot the three. Uh, and also he can catch on those long closeouts when they get him into those situations. He can also get the ball and drive right by you. So and then he puts foul pressure, and then you're in rotations. So I do think, um, again, the young man I'm talking about is Douglas, uh, you know, um, Wilson uh, for South Dakota State. He's, you know, he's six seven kid, and and then the kid Baylor Shireman uh, is another one of their front court guys. But I think that matchup 
doesn't, you know, on paper bode well for a uh, a Power Five conference team that's built to win in their league. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting uh, game to watch. Coach Scott Spinelli, our guest. Uh, that one happened later today. Providence and South Dakota State. You're listening to the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM dial, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Uh, if you're listening to us via the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. The road to the final four. Before I ask you your final four picks, Coach, what are what are a couple of other first round matchups uh, you're intrigued by? Maybe maybe here's a two part question. What's one other matchup you're intrigued by? And then to follow up your point about South Dakota State, what is another potential Cinderella you see maybe advancing? little bit further into the tournament than their seed might suggest well i'll start with the matchup first i I mean virginia tech versus texas uh is going to be um an interesting game and and what you have pretty much is a collision of two programs who have totally different philosophies as it relates to how they recruit so starting with va tech who just won the acc tournament best three-pointing shooting team in the acc uh, Coach Young, who left from a small school, Wolford, to come to Vatek and brought a few of his players with him at the time. He has a lot of kids who are mid-major or kids that weren't the typical, you know, four-star, five-star, highly regarded guys. But what the, what he does have is he has very skilled players at every position, uh, kids who are familiar with him, his program, how he does things, how he wants to um, you know, play their identity on both ends. And so with mid-major experienced guys who are familiar with, with Coach Young and his system, whereas Texas, Coach Beard, physical, tough, hard-nosed defensive team, um, has a lot of five-star guys, four-star guys, transfers. And the talent level, you would think, in terms of the rankings, would favor Texas. But I got to tell you, that's going to be a fun, fun game to watch uh, in the opening round. And as it relates to a sleeper team, and I'm not sure how much of a sleeper team these guys are, but you've really got to keep an eye on St. Mary's, and I'll tell you why. They are, uh, for me as a coach, you love to see a, a program where they've got their top six players who have all come up with it, you know, and they've pretty much established their identity. They're a team that really defends their physical um, they, you know, they pressure the ball. They help one one pass away. They're in two pass positioning, and um, they're a team that already now on paper, Scott, played the number one overall seed Gonzaga because they're both in the West Coast Conference, and they held Gonzaga to 57 points and beat them by 10 points. Um, and the thing about Gonzaga is they're so explosive. They average around 87, you know, 88 points a game. So. You know, if St. Mary's plays to that, which I think they're going to, uh, they're going to be a team that's very, very dangerous as a sleeper team in the tournament. Yeah, I like them against Indiana. I like them potentially against UCLA or Akron in Portland. And then a potential matchup against Baylor is uh, is very intriguing. Coach Scott Spinelli, our guest. Coach, one more first-round game, then I'll get your final four picks. Um LSU now without their head coach and assistant coach, uh, Will Wade fired with cause, uh, deservedly so. Um, assistant Armstrong gone as well. You know, now you got an interim coach. Now, LSU in the tournament a few years ago had an interim when, when Wade was temporarily suspended. 
What uh, being an interim coach yourself last year at Boston College as a head coach, um, now it's tournament time. They're a six seed. They're taking on Iowa State. What are some of I guess the dynamics of not having their head coach, but a guy they're familiar with, and just preparation for the tournament when you don't have you know the staff you've had the whole season up until this point, which is honestly what they've been working for all year, right? Your mission is March, and, and here it is. Uh, their game, I think, is, is scheduled for tomorrow night, but it's right in front of them, and it's, um, I would say their circumstances entering the tournament are unlike any of the other teams that are playing. Well, yeah, and I think to your point, Scott, I mean, this is a situation that just occurred, right? So being the interim head coach, and I didn't have a ton of time, you know, um, you know, when I got my first opportunity, we had we were coming off COVID, and I only had about a you know, six-week uh, period. But in this situation here, you know, you feel for obviously what's gone on there. And the reason I say that is this. You know, coaching has changed, I think, at every level um, and in every sport. And, and here's why. To me, it's all about relationship-based coaching. And, you know, with what's gone on today in this world and society, look, one of the most important things is establishing trust and getting your players to want to play for you. And I believe that, again, you know, as a head coach, Coach, you know, Wade, obviously now Coach Nickelberry, um, you know, these are kids who have trusted um, and who have been in a situation where, you know, look, there's relationships there. And I think it's hard for these kids to shift gears that quickly. With that said, um, you know, Coach Nickelberry, I know him. He's, you know, he's from the, the DMV. I mean, he's been a head coach. Um, you know, and I think if he can get, which I believe him to be able to do, get those guys to rally behind him and behind what's going on and play for one another, um, then I think LSU, again, you know, they're a dangerous team now. They're the number one team in the country with steals and they force turnovers and they're pressing that 2 2 1. Um, and again, playing against an Iowa State team, um, you know, who's. You know, they're a very good defensive team uh, themselves. I mean, uh, you know, they, they actually are one of the top uh, three-point field goal percentage defensive teams, too, and they value and take care of the basketball. So I, I do believe this is a tough situation. Um, however, you know, I think Coach Nickelberry will get these guys to rally around this, uh, play for one another, um, and, and they got a tough challenge. Iowa State's a really good basketball team. Coach Scott Spinelli, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. All right, Coach, who do you have in the uh, in the Final Four, and and who do you think is going to win it all this year in New Orleans? Well, I'm going to start with the the West because uh, I think there's an interesting story here developing there, and I'm going to kind of hopefully I don't take too much of your time, but you know Gonzaga and Duke are on a collision course, and and obviously they both have to stay focused because either one of those teams, just like all these teams, if they look ahead, they will get beat. And so if they do collide, um, my take on Duke is this. They had a very, very emotional, you know, last two weeks of the season. I mean, that last game of the year at home, sending Coach K off, um, you know, last home game, uh, you think about these players, they're kids, and they're having to play with all the legendary Duke players. The whole world's watching. And I think the stage and the moment was a little big. And I think the emotional side of that kind of, you know, carried into the ACC tournament. Um, and they weren't themselves defensively. Even though they got to the championship game, they weren't themselves. To me, they went back home and they, you know, refocused on the defensive side of the ball, 
where, you know, you could see defensively they had so many breakdowns that, you know, they're going to have to address. And I know that they were a much better defensive team prior to that Carolina game. I mean, their point of ball screen coverage was, was, wasn't good. But I, Duke is going to refocus. They've got a tremendously talented group. Um, and the one thing you made reference to why the NCAA tournament is so fun is this. You can never put a statistic or an analytical number on somebody's emotion and their will to win and their drive. And I honestly believe the pressure's off those kids. I think what happened to them is over, and I think they're going to dial in and look for Duke to make a deep, deep run. And, boy, what a game that would be with Duke and Gonzaga if they both get to that point. I like Duke to go pretty far in this tournament and possibly cut down the nets. Um, right. They're coming out of the West. In the East, I actually like Purdue um, and maybe a Purdue, you know, St. Mary's game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But I think Purdue is complete. Um, Jaden Ivey's one of the best players in the, in the country. Um, I like them uh, in the South. You know, I think, look, you know, I'm rooting for Coach Lloyd, and the job he's done is incredible. Um, but Villanova is a team, if Gillespie continues to stay healthy, again, they're built within that program. Those kids have come up through the classes. Uh, Gillespie, uh, Justin Moore, they're very, very versatile. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. Um, they win close games, and they've been there, done that. I like Villanova coming out of the South. In the Midwest, it's kind of, to me, I'm not sold really on anybody in particular, but if I had to choose somebody, I would probably take Auburn just because I think Kessler is such a difference maker in terms of a presence at the rim, and they've got a, uh, you know, a, a generational talent in Jabari Smith. All right, so you mentioned Duke earlier as far as uh, maybe liking him to win it all. Is that who you have cutting down the nets come April 4th? You know what I do? I think it's it's. I think I like a Duke, and and I'm not even sure they're on that. Uh, if they would play in the championship, I'd actually they play in the semis. But um, I like Duke and or Villanova. Those are the two teams that I'm leaning towards. Um, you know, winning it all. But again, um, I just think it's it's this is the, this is how it's going to end for Coach K, uh, Banchero, a gen, another generational talent. He's fantastic. Williams in the middle. If they get consistency from all those other guys, A.J. Griffin, those guys, they are going to be a very, very difficult team to beat in this tournament because of the drive and the will to win. Coach Scott Spinelli has been our guest, college coach, NBA coach. He's been a coach for over 30 years, played college hoops, and this year an analyst. But uh, looking at your future, Coach, do you anticipate getting back in the in the basketball as a coach? Do you, I, I know you, you mentioned you know, sitting back this year, enjoying it, having time with the family. But what do you see in your future? You know, it's funny. You know, this has been a a year that really, um, you know, I love coaching. I miss it. Um, At the same time, I had some responsibilities here as a dad. And I've got children that were, you know, at that point where it really wasn't the time to pick them up and move to go be another assistant at a, you know, high major program. And, you know, we had those chances. But um, this has been a godsend for me and my family and, and for me to be home for a year to really kind of dial into their lives and let them finish high school, let them get on with what um, I mean, what my senior in high school is going for the state championship uh, on Friday night in basketball storybooks, uh, storybook um, year for him and my other son. And so it, it, and my daughter, it, it's been a great year for that. I, I think we're going to kind of take a step back here and see what the future brings. Obviously, I think the ultimate goal is, 
you know, to try to get my own chance here and, and maybe make a run at this thing um, if I can get the right opportunity. So we'll see how it ends up. But again, you know, um, really, really great year for my family. This is a tough thing when you're in coaching and you have a family. There's a commitment you have to make to your children, too. You don't just get up and do what you want. Um, and I had to take one on the chin for my family this year. Coach uh, Scott Spinelli has been our guest. Coach, I was, I was rooting for you uh, last year and really while you were at Boston College. You know, when I was younger, I rooted for some local teams, USL, now UL, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I rooted for LSU basketball. Haven't really rooted for him the last four years, but now that Will Wade's gone, I'll uh, I'll be rooting for him again. And and I rooted for Boston College growing up. I mean, I, you know, Bill Curley and then the Donya Abrams teams. I mean, they were those teams when they got to the tournament. I was I was rooting hard for the Golden Eagles, and I know they they never made that deep run, but you know, Curley was one of uh, he was just. I remember being a, a young teenager, marveling at that guy's skill set. Uh, Abrams as well. I mean, his. I just remember that big physique he had, and those are some fun Boston College teams, man. I mean, I, I I know I know a little history about Boston College hoops, and uh, and and I I typically root for them, and so I was excited to get to interview you this morning, and I know you're excited about watching some hoops. So you know what, kick back today, coach. Maybe drink a few brass monkeys and uh, and enjoy some college basketball. Scott, I really enjoyed our time together. Thanks for having me. Okay. You got it. Guys, give him a follow on Twitter at Coach underscore Spinelli. That is uh, Coach Scott Spinelli, who has been our guest here on ESPN Lafayette. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to shift gears from hoops to football. Trey Wingo is joining me next. We'll talk about the latest with Deshaun Watson, NFL free agency, the Saints, and, of course, Trey doing stuff with Caesar Sportsbook. Talk a little betting as it pertains to the NCAA tournament. It's all coming your way right here on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. It's The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining us now uh, for the second time on the show, very, very special guest. Now I just get to call him friend of the program once you've been a multi-time guest. That would be Trey Wingo. You guys know him uh, from his many years at ESPN and from his time now as the chief NFL analyst for the Pro Football Network and the chief trends officer for Caesars Sportsbook. Good morning, Trey. How's life? Happy St. Patrick's Day, man. Yeah, happy first day of the league year. And uh, I lo- my favorite thing about the league year, Scott, now is that you know, it's officially 4 o'clock yesterday. All the stuff that we've known for days officially became official yesterday at 4 o'clock. It's, it's kind of funny how this works, right? Everything that we knew already now becomes officially minted at 4 o'clock. It's like the stamp of approval. Yeah, I, I um, you know, we, we have to do a, a bit of writing here at this company and one of my uh, bosses who does not work in on the sports station, he comes into my office yesterday, I don't know, like 10. He's like, hey, I mean, free agency today. Y'all ready? I'm like, 
Well, it kind of started like, you know, a week Monday. ago. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The legal yeah. tampering period started, yeah. and we all know that, you know, agents talk and, and GMs yeah. talk, and there's there's tampering and all that. So I guess my first question but, to you. But remember, Scott, more importantly, remember, if it's legal, it's not tampering, and if it's tampering, it's not legal. That's my favorite phrase about legal tampering. <laughs> It's like, yeah, man, I mean, that that one just went over a few people's heads. But, yeah, it's like it's an oxymoron in and of itself. Um, Trey Wingo, I guess. So, the like, what, you talked about what we already knew and what happened. What we don't know is uh, Deshaun Watson and where he's going to end up. Um, I, You know, I, if someone had said to me, Someone's going to give up three first, you know, other draft picks, you know, either a second or a third rookie rookie contracts, but starters all to get a guy that, even though he was cleared, um, you know, in 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 you know, a grand jury, there's still the twenty two suit. My point is, if you had said someone's going to give all that up for him, if you told me that two weeks ago, I would have said inconceivable. But now, it seems like there are multiple teams out there willing to do it. The Saints, obviously, being one of them. Trey, what is your yeah. take on on both Deshaun Watson and and if it if it is indeed the Saints? Because there are a lot of people that believe it will be. Well, listen, there's there's no doubt that he has. A, a high level skill set that is coveted by a lot of people in the NFL because of the things he's been able to do. And it was a massive thing for him to avoid criminal charges. However, let's just lay the scenario out here, okay? I would not expect any team who makes a trade for Deshaun Watson to see much of him in 2022. You're making this trade for 2023 and beyond. And let me explain. Ben Roethlisberger had one allegation from one woman, no criminal charges, Six-game suspension reduced to four. Ezekiel Elliott had one allegation of misconduct with one woman, no criminal charges, six-game suspension reduced to four. We are talking about 22 separate incidents. 22, well, actually, that might not be accurate. 22 separate women. I'm not sure how many incidents we're talking about with those 22 women of allegations of misconduct. There is no way that he's not going to escape a massive suspension from the NFL, especially in light of what's going on with the Washington Commanders. It would be an absolute PR disaster for the NFL to just say, yeah, two games, when they have to deal with the public specter of what's going on with one of their owners and the allegations of hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, incidents of misconduct against Daniel Snyder. So if you're counting on Deshaun Watson to take your team to the playoffs, in 2022, I might want to tell you to recalculate your expectations. This is, as you said, more of a, hey, look, he's, he's 26. You, you plan on having him for over a decade. Right. That's, that's exactly, and, exactly right. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know, man, it, the, just I guess the PR cloud that comes with it. Um, yeah. And you can say what you want. You mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, right? I mean, Ben... Ben's probably going to the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to the Hall of Fame, right? He had a great career, and Absolutely. it wasn't yeah. like it was always mentioned, right? But it was always yeah. there. Like, my point is, yeah. you can come, be a model citizen, say all the right. Fair or not, this is just how this is how sports fans have been, right? They've shown us what they yeah. are. And it, it'll always kind of be hanging out there. And, you know, I, I think, obviously, you have to be an elite town. I mean, if he's like, a, you know, a, a starting D tackle safety, whatever. If if he's at a different position, 
this isn't happening. But it's quarterbacks, Ray, and there's just not many yep. franchise quarterbacks, and a lot of people will convince themselves that all will be well. But it's, in my opinion, just what you have to give up. There's just there's a there's a big risk there, and um, I, I there, there is you know there is, but you know like let's take a look at what the what the potential is if you don't get the quarterback situation right, okay? Like it, it by all indications, whether or not Deshaun Watson goes to Cleveland or not, it appears that they are moving on from Baker Mayfield, who in 2018 was the number one overall pick in the draft. They thought they had their quarterback. They thought they had a stacked team around him. They thought they had this amazing defense and all these weapons on offense. And it resulted in one playoff win in four seasons and a divorce. And once again, they're in the spin cycle looking for a quarterback. So you're right. It's a lot to give up. But if you can get a guy, you hold on to that guy for dear life. Trey Wingo, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Were you surprised at uh, the contracts the wide receivers were getting in the first um you know, a cycle of free yeah. agency. Yes and no. I mean, like, here's the deal. Like, there's 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 the contracts that the agents put out, and there's the contracts that actually are signed, right? Like, for example, everyone's freaking out about the the Christian Kirk signing, seventy two million dollars, potentially eighty four. Let me tell you something. It is neither of those things. That is a two year, thirty seven million dollar contract, and the rest will vanish like disappearing things. Now, $37 million over two years is a lot of money for a guy like Christian Kirk, but it is what it is. This is not a $72 million contract or an $84 million contract. My friend Andrew Brandt always puts it best. These free agent contracts are two years max, and then in 2024, these guys will be cut or have their deals restructured. I mean, Zadarius Smith left and signed a five-year deal uh, to leave the Ravens to go to Green Bay in 2020. Well, two years later... He was cut, and he's back with the Ravens on another deal that will not get near the dollars that is presented out there. So it's, there's funny money and there's actual money. The only money that ever matters in any of these contracts is what are you guaranteed to get no matter what happens. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Trey Wingo, I guess. Do you, do you subscribe to the theory that also if you're Jacksonville, you, you, you have to overpay a little bit for free agents because yeah. you're Jacksonville? Yeah. Yeah, they're drunk right now. I mean, they're 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 Mardi Gras combination St. Patty's Day drunk right now in what they're doing. But you're right, they have to because Jacksonville has been a suck fest for lack of a better term sure. uh, since the 2017 season. I mean, they just got rid of Miles Jack, who was the last member of that defense. That Man. remember in 2017 had a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter in Foxborough in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots and let it slip away. I mean, that team looked like it was on the cusp, and it's been a disaster ever since. The Urban Meyer thing was just such a joke this past year. And they have to do something. Now, they think they have their quarterback, and they think they're going to try and protect him with some of the moves. Like, Brandon Scherf was a good signing, and, uh, you know, they they put the tag on Cam Robinson and, and restructured his contract, which gives them flexibility in the draft. They could go Evan Neal or the kid out of North Carolina State, or they could go after an edge presence like Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. So they have to prove it. It's like Cincinnati, okay? Cincinnati just extended uh, um, Zach Taylor's contract, the head coach, because that was a really smart move because Cincinnati has been notorious for being cheap and just letting things play out under Paul Brown. Well, they're trying to send a message now. We have a quarterback. We have a wide receiver. We believe in our coach. We're going to stick around for a while. And Jacksonville needs to send that message as well. Whether or not it works is a separate thing, but they have to send that message to tell people and let players know we're serious about this. ESPN Lafayette, Trey Wingo, our guest. I know how much you love 
football all your years, hosting NFL Live, doing so much, the draft. Um, and I, I also know you just love sports in general, right? Where does yeah, today yeah. and tomorrow rank for you? Because the like as much as the Final Four is going to be in New Orleans, and it's going to be awesome, but yeah. I always say... And I'll be there. Trey, Trey Wingo will be there. The culmination of it all is is great, but sometimes you get three stinker of a games. Like the best part of right. the tournament is today and tomorrow, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, you, you, you ask yourself to name some of the greatest shots in the history of the tournament, and they come from people like Bryce Drew, you know, at Valpo uh, in 2000. Jeez, well, I can't remember. Is it 10 years ago, maybe? Maybe more than that, 20 years ago. Valpo, I think that was like 98, he, Trey. So, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're I going back was, like 24 yeah. years. I mean, it was against it, the Ole Miss, crazy. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was a 3-14 matchup. And then there's, there's, you know, in the 80s, there was a guy from Arkansas named U.S. Reed who heaved one up at the buzzer. There was a kid from Northern Iowa named Maurice Newby who took down Missouri uh, with, a, with a desperation shot at the buzzer in, in, in the 80s. So, like, those iconic moments come from the first two rounds of the, the first two days of the tournament. That's what makes it so much fun. And it's been really crazy over the last couple of years. I think we've had a double-digit seed make it to the Final Four three of the last uh, four tournaments. And we've also had, I think, 13 seeds or five and seven uh, in, the last, in the last in the last in the last three tournaments. So, I mean, we've we've had a bunch. And the five twelve matchup is always one that drives people crazy. And uh, the five, by the way, of the top eight seeds in the tournament, the five seed is the only seed in the top eight that's never won the tournament. We've had ones, twos, threes, fours, six, sevens, and even an eight in Villanova win. The five seed has never found a way to win the national championship. If only that Gordon Hayward shot had fallen, it would have been the greatest. Exactly right. It would have been the greatest moment in sports history. Here's the thing about Duke, obviously, Trey. Like, if you don't, if someone doesn't have a really strong opinion about Duke, then I, I don't, then I, I just, I don't have a strong opinion about that person. I just don't think they don't know sports. They don't follow sports, right? There's something wrong. I think they're dead. Right, I think they're right. Dead. If you don't have, if you don't have a strong opinion about Duke, you don't have right. a pulse, and you need to get to the hospital immediately. Yeah, yeah. My opinion has always been I can't stand him. Um, but you know, my brother-in-law graduated from there. Uh, my old college roommate, huge Duke fan. So like, I've I've been around Dukies my whole life. Some of my closest friends love Duke, and I can't stand him. But I, I'm really gonna miss Coach K, and the fact that this is it for him. Um, as yeah. he let everyone know last July and, you know, had a whole farewell tour and it's been a long drawn out thing. But the point is, you know, Cal State Fullerton tomorrow and anything after that, every one of those games is just going to have drama. You simply can't recreate because the Duke fans obviously all and and I would I would also say probably, you know, the CEOs at CBS, they might not admit it. They all want Duke to cut down the nets and go all the way. And everybody else that can't stand Duke they want him to lose, and they want to see Coach K go out on a losing note. And the drama that's going to come with each Duke game in this tournament, Trey, it's like it's going to be must-see TV. You can't recreate that anywhere else once you get in the NCAA tournament. And Duke, to me, is just so polarizing. And they're, they're about as interesting heading into a tournament this time than they've ever been. You're right. And you just hit on something which I think is really interesting. We all love upsets on the first two days of the tournament, but we don't want any of them in the final four. Like we are, we, we want the Brams. We want the Dukes. We want the North Carolinas. 
We want the top-tier programs. You know, we want these, these, the Kansases of the world. Those are the, those are the teams, whether we want to admit it or not, those are the teams we want to see in the final four. We'll take the upsets in the first couple of rounds. Two seeds, get out. You know, third, uh, three seed, fine. We want those number ones. We want those guys. We want those players in attendance. And we only had it one time. I think we're all from number one seeds made it to the final four, and that was 2008. So it, it's this weird dichotomy. Like, we, we love the buzzer beaters and we love the upsets early, but give me the brand names late because that's what drives viewers, absolutely. And Duke is the biggest part of that that there is. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, Trey Wingo, our guest. So, Caesar Sportsbook, Trey, I know you, you guys are doing great things there. And um, as far as the tournament goes, I mean, folks fill out their brackets, but there's a whole lot more you can do for some of our listeners out there that are looking, hey, I got my Sportsbook app. Want to check it out? Maybe you haven't checked out Caesars yet. What do you guys have going on for the tournament, just on a regular basis? Oh, yeah. Listen, we're doing a bunch of stuff there. Like I said, we'll be down there in New Orleans for the Final Four at Caesars Superdome. But we're starting this thing called Super Boosts, and it's basically just some things that that are uh, personal to me and some of the other people, like Kenny. You'll find those in the app starting in the next couple of weeks. Basically, some, some things that I enjoy, like, for example, the Masters is coming up. We're going to do some super boosts on whether an international player or an American player will win. You know, the idea of the second round a leader actually finding a way to get to the finish line, which is always so difficult at Augusta. So those kind of things will be coming up on the app pretty soon. But basically, you know, the best thing about the app is win or lose, you get Caesars Rewards points, and that can be traded in and, and used for dinner, reservations at hotels, tickets to shows, all that kind of stuff. So even if you're not winning the money, you're still getting the points, and that makes it a lot of fun. Cool. Trey Wingo has been our guest. You know, I, I, I struck out earlier. You lob one up for me with legal tampering, and I should have said, you keep using that phrase. I do not think it means what you think, think it means. means. I mean, what was I doing? I totally blew it. Let me explain. There isn't enough time, so I'll just sum up. Okay. Uh, you you being a, a, a Baylor grad, is that like, yeah. does that fan in you still come out for the tournament? I mean, you're oh, def- defending yeah. champs. Are you, you ready? I, how, what do you, there are one seed. What chances do you give them this year, Trey? Listen, I think they're going to win it all because uh, I was there last year. Nobody thought they would make it last year. Uh, we were in Indianapolis for the whole thing. And to see Scott, listen, when, when, when Scott Drew took over that Baylor program, it was DOA, dead on arrival, dead in the water. There was nothing there after the, after the, uh, the scandal with everything that happened. And to see him do what he's done has been absolutely remarkable. And he could have left a hundred times over and gotten a great job somewhere else. He chose to stick it out and build something. And I, I couldn't be prouder of what he's accomplished here, and I couldn't be happier for him and the way that program has sort of become a gold standard, for lack of a better term. So I, I'm super thrilled, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them have a great run. All right, so he's got he's got Baylor going all the way. Uh, I, he may not admit whether it – is that a total homer thing, or is that a you know, total homer thing? Complete homer thing. They are thing. a one seed, but, but I'm, 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 my chips are all the way in, buddy. Good stuff. Uh, y'all give Trey a follow on Twitter if you're not already. He's close to a million followers, uh, at Wingo Z. W-I-N-G-O-Z. Trey, man, it's always fun chatting with you. Um, All the best. Have fun in New Orleans in a couple of weeks. I know you will, but enjoy the games today, man. Happy St. Patty's Day, and um, have fun storming the castle. Uh, Take a miracle. We'll talk later. All right, Trey. Appreciate it, man. That is Trey Wingo, friend of the program on the show. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. So, Still no news 
uh, regarding where Deshaun Watson is going to sign, but there are more signs pointing to the Saints as the strong favorite here. Um, nothing is is has been announced. Nothing is set. But the Falcons still have not restructured Matt Ryan's contract. And there's not an agreement on one either. The Saints, per Field Yates, who reported this about 20 or so minutes ago, have restructured the contracts of Taysom Hill, Bradley Roby, Demario Davis, and Malcolm Jenkins, which clears up a ton of cap space. They're now officially at $29.9 million in cap space. And, you know, the cap hit for Watson is $35 million. Now, the Saints were probably going to restructure those guys' contracts already because they do have to spend some money in free agency, but maybe not that much. So it's another hint that this thing could be getting close. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's definitive. Maybe it just means they're going to be aggressive. But they just freed up $30 million in cap space like that. Here's another thing to consider, okay? A team acquiring Deshaun Watson, his $35 million salary, but you're looking at a pending suspension, as Trey Wingo just said. It could be lengthy, right? Ben Roethlisberger, one accusation, no charges, six games. Ezekiel Elliott, one accusation, no charges, four games. 22 civil suits, hmm. it's going to be a long suspension. So you inherit the salary, but it will be reduced with a pending suspension. If it's a six-game suspension, now you inherit $22.65 million in cap space. The problem is you don't know exactly what that suspension is going to be or when the commissioner would announce it. Houston could also pay out bonus money if they wanted a higher draft pick. That could also be part of the negotiations, right? If you're trying to acquire Watson, whether you're the Saints, Panthers, Browns, Falcons, whatever, you could say, okay, you want this many first-round picks? Well, you need to pay out some of the bonus money because you have cap space and we'll include these picks for you. That way, the cap hit is lower when he arrives this season. In fact, I want to say the Saints last year when they – traded a third rounder for Bradley Roby uh, did that. They had the Texans pay a big chunk of it. You know. And and someone someone's asking the question, what do you mean Bradley Roby restructured? Didn't he, you know, didn't he just re-sign? I mean, it's not so much a restructure, it was a reduced salary cap hit by signing him. So, you know. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Something's likely coming soon. Phone lines are open, by the way. We've got just a few minutes left here. 337-269-1077. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Patty in the park tonight. It's here. It has arrived. Park International, downtown Lafayette. Sponsored by Bud Light, Next Nexting Go Auto Insurance. Gates open at 5. Music starts at 5.30. We're talking Clay Cormier. We're talking Wayne Toops, Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, Tone Loke. Get your tickets, $25 at eventbrite.com or Legends Annex. Kids 12 and under, get in for free.
337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. What's up? Welcome into the show. I thought Roethlisberger had two accusations. It was just one? Uh, I think it was just the, the one that unfolded in Georgia, in that small town in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I remember that. I thought they had one before that. Uh, No. I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't recall. I don't recall another one. And then uh, Elliot, wasn't cocaine involved in that? And I don't. I don't remember. I it was there. I'm, I'm asking you. I, I, I mean, don't I don't. I don't. I, you know, I know that that I, the, all I remember about Elliot in cocaine was he admitted to 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 drug use while at Ohio State. Um, and, you know, there was, cocaine was mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's, I don't remember all the details of it. I do remember it being mentioned. But, yeah, there was some, there was some drugs. Uh, there was, there's, there's, there's a history of that as far as what Elliot testified to under oath during his time at Ohio State. Like, but everyone keeps talking about, like, you know, I'm gonna change the subject, but still talking about the Saints, like Kamara. Everyone thinks Kamara's gonna get a lengthy, uh, lengthy suspension, which I don't think he's gonna get suspended at all. If not, really? if, and if he does get suspended, it's gonna be one game. Come on, man, that that, that that situation is gonna get thrown out. That guy's gonna accept money. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I can't see him getting no more than one game for this. Uh, I, I would. I anytime you give the commissioner a chance to suspend someone, it's yeah. I I I'll I'll take the over on that. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, but I'll take the over on that. How many games did Lattimore get suspended for that situation? Three, maybe. He got he he, he uh three for that situation. I think right. so. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, man. The situation with Watson, I can't. You know, hopefully it's done by the day, but. Man, I can't. Man, that's crazy. This man's gonna get suspended for. Uh, uh, this is this is wild. Man. I guess any. <laughs> you're right. I guess as the precedent set, you already said it. So he's gonna get at least six games. You know. And and I in um, in Trey Wingo brought up a point I I hadn't thought about. Um, the stuff happening with Washington. I mean, you know how the league is. Oh, ownership did something. Let's let's act like we. Yeah, because look at let's, 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 let's show let's show how much we don't like uh, this behavior by you know punishing you know a, a team or a player or something. We've talked a lot about Banigate. Totally different situation, but you know it's been said. Talking about that. I'm talking about uh, crap at the uh, massage parlor. No, 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 no. I know. I am. I am talking. I'm about to talk about Banigate, and I'm not saying that oh, they're okay. comparable. But my point is. When we talk about Bounty Gate, it always gets brought up. What? The Saints had, um, you know, over-the-top punishment, some stuff that after even Paul Tagelbusen investigators in proved to not be true, but that was all a marketing thing, right? It was like, oh, we have over 1,000 lawsuits on our desk from former players about not College caring about player safety. Fans, join and, the action on the court. Excuse me, about player safety, and here we are, and, you know, uh, no, we can't allow this. We care about player safety a ton. See, see what we did to this team. So, that's that's an element that will factor into this thing as well. Yeah. Hey man, some of them artists is gonna be there tonight, man. That's bring me back to nineteen eighty-eight, man. Dude. Wow, tone, especially tone low. I love that. tone low, man. I, I love. To, I don't look. I'm working it. I don't know if I'll get to tell him what's up, but I'm I'm hoping to, man. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you have fun tonight, man. Yeah, dude. Have a good one, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Last thing, according to Nick Underhill, the Saints brass met with uh, Deshaun Watson for a second time last night. So looks like that news is coming down pretty soon. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather, the Dan Patrick Show, coming your way next.